Welcome. Welcome in the name of Jesus. We are, as Mark pointed out, um, in the middle of a series called Our Imperfect Family. And in this series, uh, we're simply being reminded of the fact that as far from perfect as we are, as our families are, we have good news. All right, God's word provides us with the guidance and the wisdom that we need to strengthen our families and keep them healthy. So for those of you who are here last week or those of you watching last week, we talked last week about God's original plan, right? God's original plan for the family and that he designed all of you to be part of that family unit, whether that family unit is your biological family, or whether it is your uh, church family, whether it's here or wherever you belong, and, and, and it's just part of God's original plan is for you to not be and go through life alone. We also learned that part of God's original plan for the family was that the family unit was to be a shelter in storms, remember that? A learning center for life, a place to play and have fun, and then also a launch pad for ministry. Today, in this second installment, we're going we're to look at the value of repairing. Right? We're going to look at the value of repairing relationships in times of conflict. Because we are sinners, right? We're going to want to push our agenda or our opinions, and so clashes will happen. And because families can be fragile, if we don't resolve those conflicts, if we, don't, if we don't repair those relationships, those relationships can end up hurt or damaged or even, get this, destroyed. So Jesus warns us about that. In, in, in Mark 3, verse 25, Jesus says, If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. It can't. Not when there, there's a clash going on. Not when there's conflict. So again, we're going to look at the value of repairing and restoring harmony in the home. And to do that, I want to cover three basic areas. Very briefly, I want to talk about the reason for conflict. Then we're going to spend just a little bit of time on the different common reactions that people have when they are in conflict, because they're all over the board. And then the third thing I want to look at, and I want to spend the most time in, in very practical terms, I want to spell out to you what God's Word has to say about how to repair those relationships when conflict strikes. And again, I'm going to say this because I did last week. I realize not all of you are married, okay? I know not all of you have kids, but you still might want to write down some notes and, and pay attention because what I'm about to say to you applies to any relationship, okay? Any relationship you might have. So, so to begin with, when it comes to conflict, the, the reason for it is pretty black and white. Right? It's pretty, pretty straightforward. And the Bible says that the only reason for conflict is sin. Not surprised, right? But it is that sin that is within you, that is within me, that is within everybody, everywhere. It is what leads to arguments. In James 4 verse 1 it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Right? This side of heaven, you will always have those sinful desires in you that you'll be fighting against. And sometimes you're going to lose that battle. Sometimes you're going to put your needs and your interests and your desires ahead of others. And here's the thing. When that happens, conflict often happens. Now, when conflict happens, there are, as I just mentioned, any number of ways by which people will react. 
And I'd like to just share a couple of the more common ways. One common way that people will react is what I'm going to call the my way reaction. My way says, I win. And I'm going to assert my will until you give in. My way is the only way, period. End of statement. And believe it or not, there are some people who fight this way in their marriages or even in their families. Right? They just push and push until the other person gives in and they get their way. But as you can imagine, the damage done by that kind of reaction is enormous and deep and painful. A second common reaction to when people are in conflict is no way. Right? No way is like, I'm out of here. I am not going to deal with this. You withdraw from the conflict. You want nothing to do with it. No way, no how. You avoid conflict at all costs. The problem, though, with responding in this way is that nothing is accomplished, right? You, because you just keep walking away from the problems. Third common way to react is what I'm going to say is your way. Your way, in your way, the person says, I'm going to give in to you every single time. And I'm going to do that because I desperately want your approval. So I will do whatever you want me to do. And while that might provide some peace, it is a frustrating, frustrating way to live. Fourth common reaction is halfway. And this may be more common, but this is where you're saying, I'm going to compromise a little bit if you compromise a little bit. I'll give in a little if you get in, give in a little. And while that reaction is certainly far better than those previous three, because you win in some areas, you're also going to lose in some areas, and you just need to be aware of that. Okay? It's not an awful reaction, but just be aware of that. Because I think there is a better reaction, and this is what I'm going to call our way. All right? Our way says, hey, let's handle this together. Okay? Not only is it important for me to resolve this conflict, but you and our relationship together is important. You matter to me. And because I want us both to be happy, let's work on this together. So our way, I think, is arguably the best way to react when you are in conflict. And again, as I mentioned before, what I like to do in the time I've got left now is just to share with you ways by which you, if you're going to use our way and you're going to you know, work through that conflict, ways by which you can repair that relationship, ways by which you can resolve the conflict and restore harmony to your home or whatever relationship it might be. And just so you know, these eight steps that I'm going to look at come right out of the Bible. These are not my invention. These are God's words. He thought them up, so yay, God. These are very practical steps that you can take anytime you have conflict, and they can help you to repair that relationship when conflict hits. Okay? All right. Step number one is simply become a Christian. Now, this may seem overly obvious for all of you sitting here, but you need to understand there, if you want peace with other people, it sure helps to be at peace with God first. And here's why. Okay? Without being a follower of Jesus, you're not at peace with God. Actually, you could say that you are at war with God. Romans 8 verse 7 says it this way. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It's hostile to God. Because the sinful mind is the mind that says, I want to do things my way. I don't want to do things God's way. And boom, just like that, you're in conflict with God. And here's the thing. When you're in conflict with God vertically, that conflict spreads horizontally to the other people around you. 
So Paul warns us in Romans 12, the first half of verse 2, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Stop doing what you want to do. Just because the world around you is telling you to do it doesn't mean it's good. Stop being in conflict with God. So here's some bad news and some good news. Bad news is you can't stop being in conflict with God on your own. Good news is God gives you his Holy Spirit so that you are no longer in conflict with God, right? Because it's the Holy Spirit who creates saving faith in your heart. And for many of you, that happened at your baptism. It's the Holy Spirit who leads you to confess your sins and to believe that Jesus is your Savior from those sins, that by his sacrifice on the cross, you are forgiven and saved. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers you to believe that by grace, your relationship with God has been restored and repaired. And best of all, it is the Holy Spirit who gives you not just the desire, not just the desire to want to repair those relationships, but the power the power to do it. In Galatians 5, verse 22, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So, so the best way to repair a relationship when conflict arises is just to be a follower of Jesus. And, and I'm gonna just go out on a limb and say, all of you here and those watching, you're already there. Okay? You've already got step one down. When you are a follower of Christ, you've got the Holy Spirit residing in you, and he's the one who's not going to just give you the desire, but the power to want to make things right. So good. Yay. Only seven left. <laughs> Step number two, talk to God. This may seem a little out of place. Like, well, shouldn't I go talk to the other person? Before you talk to the other person, talk to God about the conflict. In James 4, verse 2, it says, You quarrel and you fight, but you, and you do not have because you do not ask God. In other words, when you're in conflict, right, ask God about giving you the ability to, to see maybe where you've gone off track, why that conflict happened, why things exploded. Who knows? Maybe God will allow you to see things in a new light or in a different perspective, and that can resolve the conflict right then and there. So second step is, it's right away, talk to God about it. Third step is consider your role in the conflict. My mom used to tell me that it takes two to tango. I hated that. She just like, oh, because she meant that I had a part in the blame with my brother and I, because it was usually my brother and I who were arguing and fighting. Consider your role. Consider your part in the conflict. Because you may not be as innocent as you might like to think. And, and Jesus touches on this in, in Matthew 7, verse 3. And I know it says James 4, it's Matthew 7, verse 3. But Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So just, you know, think about it. Are you part of the cause of this conflict? It may be that, may, you know, maybe you're being too demanding. Maybe you're being too impatient. Maybe you're being overly sensitive or unrealistic. Ask yourself, am I part of the problem? And if so, if you say, yeah, yeah, I am, then confess it and know that God will wash it away. Remember, Jesus died on the cross to pay the punishment for all of your sins, including those times when you've allowed pride to take hold or when you've allowed your anger and jealousy to burn, right? So, so just be open and honest. 
Because in 1 John 1 verse 8 it says, if we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So just be open and honest. If you think, yeah, I played a role, confess it and trust that God will forgive it. But just go ahead and consider your role in the whole conflict itself. All right, step four. Step four, you want to schedule a peace conference. Sit down, schedule a time where you're going to sit down with that person to just do some face-to-face talking about the conflict itself. Just, you know, sit down and talk. So planning a peace conference, and I'm just going to use that word because it sounds kind of nice, but that's critical, right? It is, it is very important. And Jesus saw the importance of sitting down and reconciling as well. That's why he says in Matthew 5, he says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. And he goes on, he says, first, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus is saying that resolving conflict, restoring harmony, repairing a relationship should always have top priority in your life. Take care of that first. Schedule a peace conference. Now, just as a side note, and I don't have, I don't have room, I, did, um, I didn't put this in your sermon notes, so you might want to write this down on, in the margin, but let me just share some tips. If you're going to sit down and talk with somebody, number one, choose the right time. Okay, choosing a bad time or the wrong time can be disastrous, so choose a time when that other person is well-rested and well-fed and ready and comfortable and relaxed, right? Choose the right time. It's very important. Second, choose the right place. Choose a place that is kind of neutral ground. Choose a place where you're not going to be distracted or interrupted by kids, electronics, whatever, but where you can just focus on the issue. Third, pray. Absolutely. If you're going to sit down and have a peace conference, you ask God to bless that peace conference, right? Ask him to soften your heart, to make your heart ready to be a heart of peace and reconciliation, forgiveness. So choose the right time, right place, ask for God's blessing. The, um, the next step, step number five, is establish some ground rules, And I realize that when you're in conflict, you may have some differing opinions floating out there, and you should feel free to express those opinions, but please be careful with what you say, because what you say, and even how you say it, can come across with a lot of horsepower, right? And it can not only cause hurt and damage, but it could also create anger and resentment, So it's really important that you establish some ground rules and you declare, okay, these are out of bounds. And let me just share with you, again, very practical, some things that I believe will help you. Number one, you don't want to compare. Don't compare. I've shared this with you before. All right, don't say, why can't you be like this person? Why, you know, you're just like that person. Don't do that. God created you uniquely. It's not fair. That's got to be out of bounds. Second, don't condemn. And I've shared this with you. Use, don't use the you statements, right? You always do this or you never do that. Use I statements. Far less threatening, far less condemning. I feel this way when. See how that feels? By the way, if somebody says to you, I feel this way, don't dismiss it. Right? Even though you may not agree with how they may be feeling, you need to acknowledge and accept the fact that that is how they feel. All right, number three, don't demand. 
Don't try to end the argument by saying, I demand that you do it my way. And I'm going to speak primarily to those of you who are husbands and wives, because the last thing you want to do is be a parent to your spouse, right? Bad news. So don't go there. It's just going to cause the temperatures to rise. Number four, don't threaten. Don't challenge. Say, oh, yeah? You just try it. I dare you. Oh, do not go there. That's out of bounds. Do not threaten. Do not challenge. By the way, for the record, the three areas where couples will most commonly threaten each other, these three areas, sex, money, and divorce, never, ever threaten your spouse with those three. Number five, don't condescend. Don't, don't treat the person as inferior. Okay? Don't belittle them. Don't talk down to them, you loser. You know, don't do that. Don't, don't ridicule their motives. Don't ridicule their logic that they might be using. Do not condescend. Number six, um, don't interrupt. Don't, if they're talking, don't interrupt them midstream. Don't cut them off. Let them finish what they have to say. You'll have your chance. You'll get to say you know, what you want to say later. Don't interrupt. And then the last thing is don't confuse. Okay, stay on topic. All right, like, like Laura was talking about laundry. If you're talking about where to put the dirty laundry in the basket, not on the floor, okay, don't then just blurt out, oh yeah, and by the way, I don't like the TV shows you watch. Okay, don't confuse. Stay on topic. So those are just a couple of ground rules that you can use, I believe, in a peace conference that you might be having with somebody that, that matters to you and you want to repair that relationship. The key, the key is to focus on, on the issue, right? On the problem, not the person themselves. In Proverbs eleven twenty nine, 29, it says, He who brings trouble on his family will inherit only wind. Not much to inherit when you get only wind. But that's what you'll get. If you are angry and you're in conflict and you know the buttons to push on that person, you start pushing them so it just raises the heat, you're inheriting just a whirlwind of mess. So establish some ground rules and stick to them. All right, step number six, switch your focus. If you want to restore harmony in a relationship, if you want to repair that relationship, switch your focus from you to the other person. Why? Because it's not about you, right? Look at what Paul says here in Philippians 2. Each of you should not look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What was Christ's attitude? Christ's attitude was an unselfish attitude. An attitude where it says in verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Because of Jesus' death, I'm sorry, because of Jesus' love, because of his unselfish sacrifice, he went to the cross and he died for you. And as he's hanging there on the cross, okay, he's thinking about you. He's thinking about how much he loves you. He's thinking about how much he wants you to be in heaven with him. So he allowed himself to be killed. Talk about unselfish attitude. He allowed himself to be crucified, killed, so that your sin could be forgiven, your guilt could be removed, so your eternity could be secure. In response to that gift of grace of God, God wants you to have that same kind of unselfish attitude toward others. Because it's not about you. You change the focus from you to the other person, you think to yourself, okay, what are their needs? And maybe, how can I meet those needs, right? 
All right, step number seven, ask for advice. When you've had a number of peace conferences and you just don't seem to be gaining any traction, you're just kind of spinning your wheels, don't be afraid to ask for help. Maybe you call you know, the church here and ask for one of us pastors. We'll be more than willing to help. Maybe you seek some professional help. But get a third party involved. Think about it. If you have a medical problem, you go see a doctor. If you have a legal problem, you go see an attorney. If you have a car problem, you go see a mechanic. So if you have a family or marriage-related problem, go seek some professional Christian counseling. I know it takes courage. I know it's humiliating, in a way, to admit that you've got a problem, but your marriage and your family, your relationships are so, so worth it. So worth it. Proverbs 15, verse 12 says, A mocker resents um, correction. He will not consult the wise. It always amazes me when I talk and I counsel with couples who are having marital issues or family-related issues, and, and, and it's usually just the initial contact. They'll, they'll say, oh, you know what, we'll just work it out on our own. Like, what, if they, what if somebody said, you have cancer? Would that be your response? Hey, you know what, I'll, we'll just work it out on our own. We'll just, you go home to your basement and the walls are buckled in. There's water starting to pour in. You know what, we'll, we'll handle it on our own. See how ridiculous that sounds? Don't be too proud to seek professional help and ask for advice. Your relationships are worth it. They are. All right, one last step. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit when you're in the middle of conflict. Don't, don't, you know, don't, um, don't leave. Stick with it until it's resolved. In Galatians 6 verse 9, it says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Right? So don't give up. Hang in there. Right? Yes, it is work. Yes, it's going to take time. Yes, it can be painful. But it is always, always, always worth it. It is so rewarding to see a relationship that is repaired than to watch it dissolve and die. So, do you see the value in repairing? And resolving conflict, restoring harmony, and repairing relationships. And do you see the value in bringing God into the mix? Because he's got the power, the wisdom, the guidance. He's the one who can give you the spirit of reconciliation that you need to begin with. He's the one who can not only give you the desire, but the power to make things right. There is value in repairing. So let me just close with a couple of ways to challenge you this week. First thing I want to challenge you to do is, when in conflict, commit to working together with the other person. So instead of reacting those other ways, you know, the my way and the no way and your way and halfway, use the our way approach. Let's work on this together. Second, Follow God's lead and be gracious to others just as he is gracious to you in Christ. When dealing with a conflict with a family member, spouse, or any other relationship, go to God and say, God, help me to imitate Christ's unselfish attitude, to focus on the other person, not on myself, and to be just as gracious, Lord, to them as you are to me. And then the third challenge for you this week is establish boundaries. Do that ahead of time. 
so that they know, okay, and everybody comes in, it's all a level playing field, because conflict is going to happen, right? We're sinners. We're going to get into arguments, but it really helps to have those boundaries where you know what's out of bounds. You know, those things are off limits, because again, your family and your relationships are worth it, right? There is value in restoring harmony. There is value in repairing. All right, would you pray with me, please? Let's pray. Father, I know that there are many families today that are hurting. So I pray that your peace and healing power would be upon them as they open their hearts and lives to you. Save homes and relationships that need to be saved, Lord. Restore harmony where there needs to be harmony. Lord, thank you for your word that it applies to our lives. Help us to build strong homes so that we might become a strong church. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen.